Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self Worst Welcome to episode 135 of Self Worst How's it going? You know, I, it always occurs to me to say the number of the episode in the intro But uh, usually, I don't remember I just looked it up before I started recording. Hi, I'm Brad Pearson. I run the show. What's going on? How was your fourth? I don't know, whatever. We still celebrating Fourth of July? Land of the free, yeah, right. Am I right, folks? Ugh. It's a mess. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. If people want to... It's a day off. Who cares? All holidays are stupid. The meaning behind every holiday is fucking empty and lame and nobody really believes in it, right? If you're earnestly celebrating the 4th of July or like Christmas, come on, bro. Grow up. Who does that? All holidays are fake and it's an arbitrary day off for us to go do a thing. So the meaning behind it is usually pretty dumb and bad. Thanksgiving. I mean, come on. But whatever. You can make a holiday what you want it to be. You don't have to make Thanksgiving about some false narrative about the natives and the pilgrims getting along and sitting down. You can just be like, oh, well, I'm going to hang out with my friends and family. We're going to eat a meal. We're going to be great, grateful. You know, we're going to celebrate. We're going to practice gratitude. In the fourth, you can be like, I don't want it to be about a bunch of fucking land-owning, slave-owning colonizers who wanted to be free from other white people. It's fucking stupid. But you can just be like, "Ah, I don't know, grilling. That's fun. Drinking a beer and grilling. Great. Plenty of reason to celebrate. It's an excuse. Anyway, hope it was good. Summer's passing on like it does, man. It just goes by, man. Life's so, like, ephemeral. It's crazy how time moves. You ever think about that? Going to Montreal in, uh, in about a week. It's exciting. I've never been there before. We only have one French speaker in our party. I mean, I think they speak both there, but it's going to be nice to have a a, a Francophile. Francophone? A person who speaks French. Uh, Along with us. Dottie's coming along. She's going to fucking vibe in Montreal. She's very Parisian herself. Just her whole... uh, her whole aesthetic. She's really gonna... She's gonna thrive there. Anyway, all of this is depending on, uh, you know, hopefully we don't get COVID again before we have to go. Or I guess monkeypox. That's a thing now. God damn it. It's creeping in. It used to be like an abstract thing. Now it's it's to the point where somebody... I know knows somebody who has it. So I'm like, oh, okay. So it's actually starting to 
come into the margins of my life. I don't know. At least we can count on our government to enact a swift and effective response. We already know that, right? So we'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. It's going to be okay. Exciting times. I'm getting a vasectomy in like five days. That's exciting. Is that TMI? I don't know. You can skip this part. I'm looking forward to it. Rod Doggins back on the menu, boys. It's going to be great. I'm almost doing it out of spite at this point. I'm almost doing it as like a fuck you. You know what I mean? Like a not real. That's not really why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I just genuinely... Caitlin and I are not interested in having kids. Never really felt that uh, urge. Never really felt that paternal instinct kick in, at least towards a human. You, of course, know that I am a dog dad and uh, project all of my paternal instincts onto my dog, which is semi-healthy and fine. It's okay. It's fine. Whatever. I just don't want to have a baby. Don't want that. And no shade to anybody who does. I'm glad you are making that choice. Have fun with that. I'm sure it's you're going to love every second of it. Or whatever. It's just, there's never going to not be people who don't want to have kids. So I don't... Not everybody has to do it, right? Yuck. Anyway, I am pro-vasectomy. I'm pro, you know, child if you want to have a child too. But I think more guys... We should normalize the vasectomy. Since, uh... They don't seem to be trying to regulate men's bodies. We can kind of do whatever we want. All I had to do was go see a, a doctor, you know, a urologist for a consultation. And the only thing that was in my way was I got to wait 30 days. There's something in New York say you got to wait 30 days to, I don't know, think it over or some shit. I don't know. F- fine. A longer waiting period to get a vasectomy than buy a gun. Am I right? Yeah, also, it's very hard to buy a gun in New York. I've looked into it. Um, just get a vasectomy, bro. It's not going to hurt that bad. You can always reverse it if you change your mind. Pretty much, like, 100% reversible. And if you can't, then, I don't know, there's IVF or whatever the fuck. It's fine. You can do it. Get all the body modifications that you can now before it all really falls apart. When it really, when shit hits the fan, you're not going to want to be worrying about cream pies. You're not going to be want to want to be worrying about glasses. Get some LASIK. You're not going to, when you are running around and it's just you and Dottie and your girlfriends and you're running around with a backpack and a machete and a sawed off shotgun and you're avoiding itinerant gangs of cannibals in the wasteland, you're not going to want to worry about glasses. Get some LASIK. 
You know, and they do some fun stuff too. I don't know, laser hair removal if you want that. Get some stuff lasered off so you don't have to shave. Get some, I don't know, piercings? No thank you. Not for me. Circumcision? And no thank you. I don't see it as necessary. Tattoos? Yeah, sure, get some tattoos. Because you're going to want to have some identifying features. You're going to want to have something more than like, I don't know, uh, gang affiliated tattoos that show you which, which, uh, water rating gang you are in from a stick and poke tattoo. I don't know. I guess I'm future tripping. That's all hasn't happened yet. We're in the now, baby. Haven't even gotten to Montreal yet. That's all, you know, pending COVID. So we'll see. Kind of avoiding the gym now. Just working out with my dumb old kettlebell at home by myself. It's fine. Avoiding crowded spaces for a few days. Just to kind of try and tighten up the security a bit. Don't want to get sick. But, um, let's concentrate on the now. This week, right now, episode 135. I happen to know it's episode 135. We're talking to Sarah Summerlin. She's a New York-based comedian. And she has a, a really great podcast called FOMO Foundation. And we're doing something interesting with this one. We're doing a crossover episode. This talk is going to be on her show, too. Isn't that cool? So if you want to hear it twice subscribe to hers and just listen to it next listen to them both just twice in a row just start it over play it again because i'm sure there's there's details in there that you didn't pick out the first time you know it's layered it's like the movie memento you gotta go back and just go over again it'll blow your mind anyway she's very smart um, and we had a really good talk. She's just good at talking. She, listen to how she talks. Speaks with confidence. No stammering. No um, uh, um, uh, the, 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 like, um, uh. She just looks you in the eye, says what she means. We could all learn a lesson from that. Especially your boy, the host of this show. The, um, um, uh, you, um, uh. You know what? I'm, that's not me being hard on myself. I'm trying to be positive and trying to accept that I am just a uh, awkward, stammering idiot. That's fine. That's who I am. Listen, we're going to go to the interview in a second. Let's do some housekeeping. Uh, follow me at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. You can uh, follow me on Patreon. Subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. You get bonus content, video, uh, extra deleted scenes from the episodes, all kinds of shit. You can check all of that out. Be cool. I know we're all uh, overflowing with cash uh, right now. Everybody I know has just so many extra bills around their apartment. So, you know, throw me a couple. Just Flip that, flip that money around. Make it rain. All right. 
Uh, is that it? Uh, email the show, selfworst at gmail.com, blah, blah, blah. Nobody does that. And, uh, you know, like and subscribe and tell a friend and blah, blah, blah. You know all that. I'll get back to you on the other side of this episode. I just, you know, I, I, I'm a little, uh, I just had a busy day, you know, say so I always get like that kind of whiplash, you know, when you, yeah, when you have like a busy day and you have to like sit down with somebody and like talk and you're like, okay, I have to like take a deep breath and be really present now and blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah. I hope that I can do that. Like, I always think that with my therapist, I'm like, I, I go in there and I'm like shaking off the you know, the train ride or whatever is going on. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know how they do it. Like, I don't know how they can just like compartmentalize I, and just yeah. like go in and just like not be thinking I'm about like, that shit. I thought I wanted to be a therapist. Every time I want to quit comedy, I almost am like, I need to get either LMHC or LCSW because I'm trying to decide like how I want to rather be useful to society. Like, but then I think about how hard it must be. Mm-hmm. And I just can't. Yeah, it's got to I mean, it's got to be immensely difficult. Like I, I think about it, too, because I've been in therapy for a long time. And I, of course, uh, this whole podcast, I yeah. is about sort of a self-worst is hilarious. I love the idea self-worst. It's a shadow work type energy regarding yourself, which Thank I you. like. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's the the main theme of this show has kind of gone all over the map. I started off like the elevator pitch was like it's a show about failure. It's a show about like mm-hmm. how did the, like your job or your relationship or whatever work out like not the mm-hmm. way you wanted and uh but it's become more about just like yeah, shadow self and uh how to deal with being an artist under capitalism and all this other shit. Um crazy, right? Cuz so. Yeah, the artist and the cat like, that's a whole, everything's a whole episode, right? It's a fucking bummer. Yeah. Everything, everything is an episode because it's so crazily bad. Mm-hmm. What's out, like, what it's like out here. Like, and it, what's insane is, like, it's so bad that the nicest people stunt themselves. And, like, what I learned is I'm not as bad as a person as I thought I was. Like, I literally was so hard on myself for so many years. And so self-excavating that I had no idea that other people were assholes too. Mm. And I was so fucking hard on myself and so fucking trusting of other people to my own detriment. And only lately, after many years, and I I hate this shit because it makes me sound like a victim and I'm not. Like, I want to be clear, I'm not. I'm not perfect. And I will never, I I like relate to the idea of being a victim. I'm not. I'm not. But the point is, I was always very self-excavating to the detriment of being aware of others. And like, at the end of the day, if you're not fucking with people who are also really aware of how they're not perfect, you're not around the right people. Mm -hmm. Socially, creatively, professionally, in any sense, you have to be around people who fucking know how to excavate the problems with themselves. Yeah. And if you're not around people who are aware that everyone's fucked up in some way, you're not around the right people. Yeah. What do you think? How did you used to be hard on yourself? What were the what were the I'm things hard on that myself like still. I'm still dealing with it. I'm still dealing with all my shit. My therapist and I just got off the phone. Mm-hmm. And she said, Sarah, in our last like six sessions, what you've said every single time is I'm not stupid. 
You're definitely not. But the problem is, like, why you, do I feel like you feel, saying that? You feel a defensiveness about intelligence? Or you feel like yeah. you need to prove something? Of course. Do you think people think you're stupid? Or do you think people think that yes. you think you're stupid? Both. Mm. All of it. Because I get so confused, but I start to learn a little more, like, you know, when people treat me in ways I think it's because they... Oh! Sorry, I hurt my nails. I was putting my, light, my window no down. When I when I start to think people think I'm stupid, I might not be like perceived happening. Like when people when I perceive people think I'm stupid, what might be actually happening is that people think I'm smart. Hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Or or they're threatened by me, or they're attracted to me, or they have just an issue with me that has nothing to do with anything. It could be a combination but, of all of those things. It could be any of it. It could be any of it. It doesn't matter what it is. But the problem is, I always project they think I'm stupid. Hmm. I project they think I'm stupid. Intelligence is, or being perceived as intelligent is really important to you because yeah. if, because maybe there's another Sarah out there in the multiverse that uh, thinks that you know, people think that she's stupid, but she doesn't care because intelligence uh, doesn't, you know, like, what would that be like? I'd love to be her. I'd love to be her. I think I can be her if I let myself be her. And that's what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. It's like, who cares what other people think about me? And so many levels that I always did that and felt that that's what's so confusing about me to me is I always perceive myself as confident and comfortable with who I am. But I had a huge axe to grind regarding being perceived as intelligent. Mm -hmm. A huge axe to grind. I still do, frankly. And I'm not going to let that axe up because I like the axe. What's your main project in, in therapy these days? Is that it? Is it dealing with uh, people's dealing perception with of you and intelligence about, and stuff? Dealing with this thing that my therapist brought up literally today. She said the last six times we met, you said... And I'm not stupid. And then you launch into something. Mm -hmm. She said, she said, she told me that I keep saying that. And I say it so much, I don't even hear it. I say it so much. I'm not stupid. Mm -hmm. And then I launch into something. Because I'm, I'm so sick of being taken for stupid. Because I am. Or I'm, or I'm used or something by people like, the deep cut, frankly, is I've done comedy for six years mm -hmm. and men have pursued me romantically and wanted either my ideas or to date me and not even call me their girlfriend. Sounds and about so right. That sounds like of, dating in Brooklyn. So neither of those things are appropriate, mm. no matter who they come from, whether the man has no followers, no Instagram or one million followers and a thousand social medias. Neither of those are respectful or okay. Mm. Neither. But I ran into it for years. And so I'm dealing with some fucking recent trauma as well as my childhood trauma that would even let me be open to dealing with these motherfuckers, frankly. Because if I hadn't had my childhood trauma, I wouldn't even be entertaining this adulthood trauma. But because I'm so used to bullshit and fuck shit, I mm. deal with bullshit from men. I mean... 
I feel like everybody has some form of child trauma in some way, and that does yeah. usually lead them stumbling into, you know, headfirst into uh, more trauma uh, until they learn how to uh, undo it, the, right? uh, the the cycles. Can you, um, in however many details you're you're conf- uh, comfortable with, can you can you talk about uh, what the what the pattern of of trauma is? You're so sweet. Of course. As a child, I, I felt like I became my parents' parents. Mm. And so much of the energy I have towards other people is parental. Mm. And it's part of like just my nature. I don't even know if it has to do with my childhood trauma. It might just be who I am apart from it. I care about people so much that it's sometimes to the um, detriment of myself. And then it becomes selfish when I expect something in return. That's what I noticed. It's like, I care about people so much, yet I expect something in return. And that's a me problem. Yeah. I know that love is not expecting. Why am I expecting? Sorry. You know? God damn it. I'm sorry. If I know love is expecting, why am I doing this? Yeah. It's okay. Don't remember those sounds. I I, I have to turn on. Point is... If I know love is ex- if not if I know love is not expecting, why am I expecting love? What's wrong? It's like I am projecting a level of intimacy with people mm-hmm. that does not exist. Have you that ever heard sucks. of the Enneagram? Of course, I know what I am. Yeah, you know. Do you know your number? I have a guess, but you're not supposed to tell people what their number is. I'm sure you know my number. Two. What do you think? I guess a two. So listen, I'm a seven wing, Uh, two and eight. Ah, okay. Two and eight tied next to seven. Okay. I'm a seven wing, two and eight. Okay. I'm a six. But the two is, is, six is dope. All of them are dope. (laughs) Everybody needs each other. Point is, I'm a seven because I'm an enthusiast regarding experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm a mad helper and a mad achiever, which is two and eight. So you grew up kind of taking care of of your parents' emotional needs in a lot of ways, and that yes, but they don't a, even know it, and they they still don't know it. Is that something that you would want to tell them at this point, or is that something that you can just I be like, eh, whatever, yeah, you're you're over it? Would it. Be, it would be too much problem to deal with that with them. I'm thirty. I'm an adult. I know what problems are worth dealing with. Mm-hmm. Explaining to my parents how they're immature, I'm not interested. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a waste of my time. Huge ass waste of my time. Like, listen, if they come to me curious one day, I'd love to talk to them, but right. they're not like that now. So I don't know why I would bother myself in that way. Right. They're like, listen, Sarah, we really want to hurt our own feelings. We want to Thank know you. how. We have failed you as we a parent. You know, how, how did we fuck up so we can feel bad about it? Yeah, I don't think that's probably something that they're going <laughs> to ask. I'm not an idiot. I know that it's challenging to hear what you did wrong. You just said, you just is, said you're not stupid. You just said it again. Did I say that? You said you're not an idiot. So it's funny. I guess it's a problem, but it's also not that bad to keep saying that. Like, I hear her say, her, I hear her telling me I keep saying that, and I agree with her. It's it's interesting that it's my common refrain, mm-hmm. but the common refrain bears bears repeating. I'm not stupid. 
I mean, you, you know, know what? what I mean? Like, at least you have a pretty like positive common refrain because um, I know a lot of people, and I include myself in this in the past, whose common refrain is like, "I'm a piece of shit." I'm not good yeah. at anything. I should kill myself. Blah, blah, blah. Like, right. just like no, mental tinnitus no, no, no. over and over, repeating, echoing in their head, you know? Um, yeah. So it's good that at least you have a uh, a mantra in your head that is that is somewhat, you know, that's like positive. It's and, self-reinforcing. Yeah, self -affirming. Because trust me, for many years and for many moments, I felt, I felt what you said, the negative shit. Mm-hmm. I have millions of times. It took forever to not feel that way. It took a lot of effort. Like there was a book, to be honest, it was called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman that a friend of mine who was depressed sent me. Mm. And that book helped me not be so depressed because the book said, the book was like an interesting observation by a cognitive behavioral therapist that was like, hey, I noticed that a lot of happy people have a positive explanatory style and a lot of unhappy people have a negative explanatory style. Can we help people who are negative by training them on positive explanatory styles? Mm -hmm. And for some reason that really hit with me and I was like, yeah, like we should be training on positive explanatory styles. Like that might be it, frankly. It seems... You know? too simple but it really I does know. kind it is. of work it is too simple. i mean because i've been through cbt cognitive behavioral therapy and uh a lot of what it is is just you change your thoughts and you change your whole mood you know and like feelings and thoughts are sort of self-reflective and so if you just you, you it's it's a lot harder to control your emotions it's easier to control like the top level of your sort of cognitive uh thoughts and it really depends on if you're more a visceral person or a cerebral person um i kind of think i'm somewhere in the middle but you know the 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 solution that it offers is so insanely simple where it's just like Maybe don't spiral every time somebody somebody's energy changes towards you and, <laughs> and don't like internalize it. Don't make it about like, you know, anytime that you uh, something happens at work and, you know, like it seems like your boss doesn't approve of you or something. You don't have to spiral into like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to go broke. I'm going to live out on the street. And like, you know, you can just kind of deal with things like a little thing at a time. It seems too easy. But if you start applying that thinking, lo and behold you start to uh, just feel a little bit better day by day. You don't even really notice it at first. That's what I'm saying is like, it seems easy and it's not like factually fair, mm -hmm. but unfortunately the material and spiritual reality is, you know, and these Abraham Hicks and Esther Hicks shit is crazy, but I love it. You need to follow the good feeling thought. And I say this as a person who was in big denial of my trauma until I was 28. Until I was 28, I didn't realize how traumatized I was. Until I was 28, my favorite book was also the favorite book of Steve Bannon called Anti-Fragile. Uh -huh. That is emphasizing in one page or one chapter something that resonated with me. People talk a big thing about PTSD. They never talk about post-traumatic growth. And I was like, yeah, 
yeah, that's me. Post-traumatic growth is me. And I never even validated my post-traumatic stress. Mm. My post-traumatic depression, my post-traumatic anxiety, my post-traumatic ADHD, my post-traumatic mental illnesses that the mainstream world would love to just diagnose as a psychological chemical imbalance are actually trauma responses. And I had them and I still experienced them and I experienced strength from them, but I also experienced like lack, lack of strength and weakness from them. And like, that's the real shit. You were trying to put the cart before the horse uh, with healing right. without going through the, the trauma uh, processing first, yeah. which is just part of it. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, maybe easy to get caught on either end of that. I, th I think maybe uh, the other pitfall is perhaps staying in the trauma processing part without Correct. ever being able to move out of it and not identify with your trauma, with your mental illness, with whatever it is that yes. you've got going on and just sort of cling to that like a, a safety blanket without, 100%. without being like, okay, be like now time to like positive than toxic this. negative, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess so. I I don't know which irritates me more in people, honestly. Um, They're both annoying as hell. Yeah. They both suck. Yeah. But at least the positive one gives you some fucking ground to stand on. Sure, yeah. I mean, you can at least like feel sort of hypey for a second. You know, if you talk to a toxic, toxic positive person, you're like, okay, cool, cool, yeah. But then you realize later there's like, actually, but I It's really invalidating if they never listen to what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. It's terrible. I dealt with that a lot too. And I'm pretty positive. But I still deal with people that I'm like, are you toxic positive or are you positive? Like, I don't fully like, know what you are. Mm -hmm. You know? I've, I've like the, the most positive people I know and the most truly, I don't know, inspirational, I don't know, people who I draw any type of wisdom from are the people who are fully willing to say, you know, this sucks at some point, you know, who are fully willing yeah. to say like, no, this is bad. Like I'm, I'm, my cat died and I'm really fucking sad. And you know, I'm going to sit with this grief and not go, you know, like this isn't okay right now. I'm not okay with Roe v. Wade being overturned and I'm really fucking pissed and scared and blah, blah, blah. Like engage with the negativity. And I, there's some part of me, I mean, again, the, the, what this podcast is called is self worst. Like there is some draw in me to move towards, uh, the darkness and examine it and sort right. of sit in it for a while and not deny that that's what's happening. Uh, because it certainly fucking is sometimes. When did you start running this podcast? Self-worst. Uh, 20... It's been a while. 2017, 18, somewhere in there. I, I don't even really remember anymore. That's cool. Yeah. It, um, cool. it, I was doing, you know, and it's, it's, it's been kind of spotty, uh, like for a while it was every other week and sometimes kind of monthly. I took some time off during like 2020 when like the, everything was really fucking falling apart, uh, going crazy. Uh, so 
you know, it, it hasn't been super consistent. I try and stay on it's a pretty a consistent beat with stuff, but you know, and, and not beat myself up with, with not. You're much like every... me regarding like the same exact didactics of, yeah, I want to be consistent. I try to not beat myself up for being consistent, inconsistent. So, you know? Yeah. That was going to be a question. You have, you've been doing comedy for six years and you've had your own podcast FOMO machine going for, for a while. And it seems like you've taken some time off and are uh, starting to come back I mean, to it. Um, what was, what was all of that, uh, time off for? Yeah. That's what's annoying to me about creatives who do comedy. They feel like they always have to constantly be doing it. It's annoying. Yeah. First of all, if you're constantly doing it, you have no time to be a real person Mm -hmm. and real people are not always on. Yeah. If they seem always on, they're performing it and you should be afraid of them. Yeah, well, that you just described a lot of people who are in the comedy Thank you. scene. They're just they're they, like, like if people who go on every night and are doing like five shows a night or whatever, it's just like I don't know how you fucking do it. Like it's it's well, you're a sociopath. Or you're really good at maintaining your fucking pro- public personal balance and cultivating yourself as a performer. Like I'm not saying everybody who does that is fucked up, but. People who are brand new and do that are fucked up. I'm all yeah. front. They're fucked up if they're brand new and they're doing that. What's wrong with you? Why would you be so good at pathologically saying the same ass shit every night repeatedly? Five times <laughs> a night. What's wrong with I you? I never got who it. Who did not I... love you in your... You know what I mean? Who did not love you in your childhood? Do yeah. you think that this is fucking normal shit? I want to I make friends. I want to chill. I live in Brooklyn. Let's go on the roof. Yeah. Bro? relax here we got a lot of shit to do here we're busy we're all new yorkers we got a lot of fucking shit going on we're tired at the end of the day i don't want to go up to bushwick to go to a bunch of fucking mics i'm tired why would you why would you yeah i like i dipped a toe in the comedy world i never really made it much past like the open mic yeah uh a while ago but and it was really on and off. And uh, it was when I was starting off, I put a lot of stock in it and was like going up under stage names and not telling anybody anybody I was doing really? it because I was like, oh. I didn't I didn't want it was like a secret identity. Sensitive. And I was yeah. really I was Private. really sensitive about it. And I was really uh, I would time out my sets in my head because I had it in my head that like, okay, you have three minutes. So I have to have this perfectly in three minutes and was like so anxious on stage that I would just like blank and just, just fully dissociate. Um, And then for a while I was, I was a little more loosey goosey about it and was like trying to have a little more fun with it. But what uh, I was real, and this was kind of just before I started the podcast. So like 2016 ish. um, What I realized was like, I don't know if I like this enough to, put myself through like you know walking dogs all day being out in the fucking hot sun Uh being exhausted and then then going to a mic where there's like only other comics and i was just like i don't like this i I don't like this enough to to make myself keep doing this you know and um i i was both respect it's hard like because i was like i i'm both too mentally ill and not mentally ill enough to continue comedy you know what i mean oh my god i'm both Literally, I could not like pull the words out of my own head enough. Too mentally ill, but not mentally ill enough. Yeah, or like the wrong kind. Like you know, like just. I'm not mental. I'm so sane yet so fucked up. Yeah. I don't know how to deal with this. 
Yeah. The only way I want to deal with it is by not being fucked up. I decided I was like, I, I'm averse to being fucked up. Mm. I'm averse to, and I noticed it in other comedians, like this like preoccupation with staying fucked up in order to continue being good creatively. I was like, you know, it's just not worth it. Like I've loved comedy from other people. Like it's not worth being crazy to do it myself. Like if, if what, if that's what it is, other people can do it. But also I know people aren't. And I'll be honest, it's because of Maria Bamford. Do you know Maria Bamford? Yeah. That's my favorite comedian. And she's I, great. It's like that, that woman that was so many similar mental challenges to me, like we don't have the same diagnoses, but because of her, I knew it was possible to have struggles, yeah. be smart and performative, but not mean or narcissistic. And because I knew she existed, I think there was an aspect of just being aware she existed that helped me continue on because everything I saw around me in Brooklyn in particular and in New York was so narcissistic, selfish, and stupid mm-hmm. and or stupid you know even if it was narcissistic or selfish it was stupid i just don't like cheap shit i don't like self-absorbed shit i don't like i don't like it yeah you know i do know and so you're I mostly podcasing these days i'm mostly doing do you do? the podcast uh i i, I draw i haven't drawn Good. anything in a long time i was you know actually my notes here because I write down some questions for all of my guests and, you know, just like keep my thoughts organized. Uh, but this is an old notebook that goes back to like journal entries from around there. Like, yeah, 2015. First entry here is oh, uh, yeah. January 1st, 2015. And oh, yeah. like the uh, the amount of stress that I'm going through at that time. I mean, I like I don't know if you've ever kept a journal um, or or look back on, on old journal entries. Depressing. But like. Anytime I kept a journal, I destroyed it. I read it three days later and ripped it up. I had a hard time with journals. Oh, they they don't even last a week, your journals. They don't, but the the funny thing is, is I act like I'm so uh, guarded about my personal life, yet I spill it all out on social media with my work. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you don't know what my problem is? Like, I'm making media about how bitches will do anything. Bitches will think anything <laughs> is nice. Right. That's me. I'm not an idiot. That's about me. You're bitches will idiot. think if you, bitches will think if you put a bowl of water in the corner that you love them. Mm-hmm. And by bitches, I mean me. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm especially, stupid. you know, like I even have it up on a little elevated thing, you know, so it's not even on the floor. It's on like one of those little bowl See? holders. You know, he says, You're I'm, very I'm very, I'm a nice boyfriend. You know? You're a nice boyfriend. You're yeah. not just a boyfriend. You're a nice boyfriend. The point is, I've been so deprived for years that even the most basic shit to me feels like Hercules. Mm. I'm just saying, I know it about myself that it's not correct. I know that basic treatment is healthy. I know I haven't received it, but I also know it's not enough. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of fun to make fun of yourself. You're Easiest really thing on earth. you're a really confident person. Um, what's that like? What? How do you uh, do that? <laughs> am I though? You seem like it anyway. I, well, it's almost like a. It's not that I'm confident, but I'm like un. I'm annoyed to not be me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm not confident. Like whatever my version of confidence is, is a lot of self disclosure about what I feel insecure about. So. Am I confident? I'm just honest 
about my anxieties and distractions and problems. And I also think that I'm not the only one who has them because I know that everybody has these things. I know that I'm not the only one. I know no matter what their race, gender, sexuality, economic status is, all of us struggle regarding confidence and identity. And so, you know, we all have these projections the world's put on us but about who we should be and this whole feeling of not matching up and I just know that that's real for everybody. Like, I don't even have to be anybody else to know that that's real for them, too. Because if I feel it, they must. I'm a white woman. I must I must be the most lucky one to have it. Or one of the most. If, uh, if, if, I, feel, if I feel strangled by the world, yeah, everybody else must as well. I mean, I've felt that, too, because I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm a white dude. Mostly yeah. straight. I'm a. I'm a. I'll, I'd say I'm That's straight okay, white yeah. man. And like so, like I feel like I'm living life on like easy mode, you know. And and I'm still Completely fucking blessed. it up sometimes. You know what I mean? Correct. And like and, and this was why insane? this was why I like walked away from from another reason I walked away from doing comedy and like uh, another reason I've shied away from really expressing myself because I just feel like does the world need another fucking white guy with opinions? It honestly yes, it does. does. Like I, I mean. It does and it doesn't, you know. I'm like, I don't, I can't really help my identity. It's, and like, I mean, you are who you are. Like, I am who I am, and yeah. I, I, I try and balance. You didn't out. pick it. I, I don't. I didn't pick it, but like, I, I lucked into it. Did not choose it, Correct. and I try Same. and balance it out like with the podcast by having you know a lot of different identities and and types of people on the show Great. because there always is one white guy on the show by default. I'm always here, so like balance it out a little bit and that can be my uh contribution to to, to getting Great. different perspectives into the mix that know? sounds like a fair ethos to me as long as you're a normal person in which you are because i don't even know how i know you but we're connected online how yeah. do i know you i don't know we've never met in person this is this is describes a lot of my guests actually i, I have i mean post pandemic is a whole thing you know like i you know recording everything over zoom and doing everything virtually is like just sort of Crazy, the way right? things have been i i like to get out in the world and 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 meet people more but also, also i'm like i don't i don't want to go to fucking williamsburg for a show at 10 p.m just to like meet a comic and <sighs> shuffle up to them I after know. the show and like try and ask I them know. awkwardly to be on my podcast i'm so tired i'll just send them a dm fuck it you know like yes Yes, King. Yeah. That's my whole shit. So, you know what's so funny is I befriended some of these comedians in New York lately who are always just so intimidated and annoyed and pissed off and in, infatuated by. Mm -hmm. It's all those fucking NYU kids. <laughs> those NYU kids. I'm like, <laughs> I hate you, but I think you're cool. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're like 23 years old. And for the most part, they have a lot of money, right? Like mm -hmm. the average NYU kid is rich. I'm not. And so, like, I grew up upper middle class. I didn't grow up broke. But they're still class. Like, I'm not stupid. Oh, my God. Here we go again. Uh, the point is. I'm going to get a counter. The point, the point is, if you don't go to NYU and you're weird, mm -hmm. do you fit in as a white person? I don't know. Do you? You know, my girlfriend. I don't think you do. My girlfriend went to NYU for grad not, school. No, but, but here's my bullshit. I, yeah. I will listen to you soon, but the point is with comedy, <laughs> it's like you go to NYU, Tish, uh -huh. and you're weird, or you go to Harvard, the end. 
Or you can be non-white and just drop out of anything you want and just be cool. And it's like, sorry, I went to a state school and I'm white. And I'm not ashamed that I went to UConn. I would never deny it. I'm not ashamed of it. Why would I be? I saved way more money than y'all did. Sorry that you're so rich that you had to spend all that fucking money and waste all your fucking money on some bullshit to get the stupid ass clout you never deserved. Because some other people who came before you went to NYU, fucking Sarah Silverman or whoever, went to NYU before you, Aubrey Plaza went to NYU before you, and you just ride on the coattails of Sarah Silverman, Aubrey Plaza, and just be some ingenue whose dad gets to pay the fucking PR team to put you on. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry that some of us are way more working class. I may be privileged, but I'm way more working class than a lot of these people. And so they're funny as shit but also they're privileged as fuck. And often they're very discriminatory against other white people based on pedigree, based on institutions and institutionalism. I don't fuck with that shit. I'd rather hang out with a person who never went to college than a fucking asshole who went to fucking NYU. Yeah. Fuck NYU. Fuck NYU. Fuck it's NYU. Not even, it's not Sorry, even an Ivy daddy. League school. It thinks it's an Ivy League school and it's not. It's not an Ivy League school. It's Bullshit. Like Ivy League school. So, Sorry, I didn't take on debt. Sorry, my dad's not rich. Yeah. The end. Sorry, I just want to bitch, fuck, hate on NYU. There's not enough fucking hate on NYU on the fucking internet. Please send me the tapes. That's what I. That's what I'm gonna post on my fucking Instagram. Is hate on NYU. Institutionalism there is annoying, and they fucking act like they're so creative. They're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. My, uh, I was saying my girlfriend went to NYU for grad school, but went to Rutgers for yeah. uh, undergrad. And Normal honestly, yeah, yeah. honestly had cool. a much better time at at Rutgers and was like, I'm not really sure why I did the NYU thing. I, I guess I felt like I had to, or like it was, I was supposed yeah. to be a better school or something. But like, yeah, but like, honestly, like Rutgers was better. I don't know. It just was. And like uh, James Gandolfini mm-hmm. went to Rutgers. You're telling me you're too good for James Gandolfini? Come on. Correct. Plenty of normalized people go to normalized schools, and then they get all, the school suddenly gets hyped when a when an individual gets like successful and like and why this problem with prestige and institutions and cliques is like they become self fulfilling prophecies. Like you're famous because you're friends with so and so, you're famous because you relate to so and so, and it's like sorry that I never made it into those rooms. Sorry that I am who I am, and I will never stop being who I am. So I went to uh, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design for uh, filmmaking. Really? Yeah. Cool. Uh, it was okay. It was, that was also very expensive because uh, it's like a private art school. Oh. Wasn't the best move. But I did meet a lot of people and learn a lot of things and I had a good you know, general experience. Price tag aside, cool. what are you going to do? Um, but right. when I moved out here uh, to work in the film business, uh, I... I had never really experienced like class division like that to that degree where I was mm-hmm. working as a, you know, a sound guy on some NYU kids student film or I was I was a PA on some TV show where everybody had to suck up to this one kid because they were they were like a the daughter of a producer or some shit there was this like there was this understanding that there was like you were saying this like pedigree of people uh that i had never really 
experienced before like just like or like not on that level like coming from the midwest like you know there's rich people and poor people but like not to this fucking level there's like vanderbilt money there's like old money you know what i mean like it's crazy like listen being from a normal place like the midwest i'm from connecticut people say connecticut's bougie i'm like yeah it is but not where i'm from where i'm from is like middle class upper middle class the richest people i knew were like dentists and doctors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the real wealth is like CEOs and I'd never met them. Yeah. Yeah. I that's was... what you, that's what we learn about when you enter entertainment is, Oh my God, the fucking dentist makes pennies compared to the filmmaker. My first summer here, uh, the only job I could land was I was at the New York film Academy. Um, cool. And I was running the like the high school. They had this like summer high school program that was just like, yeah, send your rich little brat kid here for uh, for film school for a few months, and you know, like, and and it was almost exclusively like pretty wealthy kids. And I remember like sitting there, like, who else would be there? Yeah, I don't, like, I, I, it 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 was in uh, the like financial district of yeah. Manhattan uh the school was was there and we were walking to one of the locations cuz I would you know I would sort of chaperone them as they were going around shooting their little films and one of the kids was just like oh yeah my dad works there at Goldman Sachs and I was just like okay so that's why <laughs> like it just it like every time it was some it yeah, was, it was some adult, story like that like, like and yeah and I felt like I was making like minimum wage, like just in this. And I, I just felt so, I don't know. I felt bad. And like, I, it sounds overly dramatic, but like the way the, like living in the film business for a while, just kind of like, it sort of broke me in this way where like, I didn't want to work in the film business anymore. After a while, I was just like, this is so, gross and i saw i saw like the machinations of like how this shit gets made and who these people are behind the scenes and was just so repelled by it that like it was too depressing casting is disgusting like the script is dope and then the casting director is like she's not hot enough or he's not x enough or they're not y enough it's like yeah it just it was it was that and then just this real negativity bias with whenever i would fuck up and not do a good job or like get not called back or whatever, or get yelled at on set. Um, I I would really internalize that and just be like, okay, so the only thing I'm good for is like service industry jobs. I'm just going to do that to, to pay my bills, you know? And so like, I'm just digging myself back out of that hole now, which is why I was asking you earlier about, uh, you know, uh, doing coding and stuff and, and working in tech because like I have been, for a while now, I was talking about main projects with, you know, your therapist. My main project with my therapist has been for a while now, just like get out of the fucking financial dumps and get yourself a, mm. you know, like a grown up job and get yourself, first of all, to believe that you're worthy, worthy and capable of, of of that. Like that was yeah. the biggest hurdle ever. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, every fucking person fresh out of high school is worthy of a grown-up job. Yeah. You don't even go to college to be worthy of a grown-up job. Isn't it amazing, though, that, 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 like, the world convinces you that 
you really it's amazing like the it is self-worst is a play on the term self-worth obviously and that's what is so under attack when you get out yes. in the world, especially in a hyper-competitive job market, oh, it's, 100%. it's like your it's, worth it's, is your job. And if you're not good at that, then you are worthless. Then you're worthless. There's a diff- and there's a difference between being useless and being worthless. worthless. I think I'm a little bit more useless uh, sometimes. <laughs> like, I, like the things that I'm good at, I, I haven't been able to monetize. I don't think that necessarily means I'm worthless, but I've let that get not. into my head. You know, I've let that. The world tells you. That's yeah. The world is crazy. It's bad. It's bad. Like, you know, it has nothing to do with money. But for years, I beat myself up about being ugly, which makes no sense because the amount of men who wanted to use me and abuse me was quite high. Mm -hmm. The point is, like, the world will tell you all kinds of shit to make you be asleep and oblivious to people using you and abusing you. And so... When you meet other people who tell you you're smart and you think they're smart, you should believe them and follow what your gut is Mm -hmm. aligned with what they tell you that you're having a hard time telling yourself. And I'm learning how to accept compliments lately. Hard. I've been learning how to accept compliments for two years and it's still a a fucking Herculean struggle every day. Yeah. The only thing I can take compliments on now, thankfully, after seven years is coding. So, as a creative, I encourage people to enter the tech industry however they can, particularly as engineers if they can, because being an engineer not only was financially stable for me, it helped me develop certain organizational and delivery and focus skills I would never have had if I didn't force myself to create them regarding my job. It's funny how much engineering has improved my comedy. And I didn't even notice it until I just noticed it. You know, I didn't even plan it. And then I was like, listen, like, I don't know if you hadn't been an engineer that you would be so good at producing your podcast or disseminating your your content. Mm-hmm. Like people think I'm on my phone all the time. I'm I'm on it kind of, but not really. I'm just I'm just aware of it. Yeah. And I know I know where the community is that receives the funny shit that I think is funny that comes to my brain. It's very personal and it doesn't take a lot of time. I only have 2,000 followers. Like, it's not that hard to just be in touch with people generally in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm not on my phone all the time. I'm mostly in real life. But the point is, if I hadn't gotten good at coding, I wouldn't have learned about how to be so analytical and so focused and so non emotional because so much of my work in tech has, has to do with men who don't like emotions. Mm-hmm. So I have to learn how to navigate men who don't like feelings, but they have them, but they just don't like talking about them and they don't like discussing them or addressing them in that way. Yeah. So I have to learn how to code switch with men, talk to them in a way that soothes their feelings. They don't even know from soothing their feelings and we're getting down to brass tacks. And so talking that way with men in tech helps me talk with men in comedy. Interesting. Men in comedy who hurt me. Men in comedy who hurt me, men in comedy who fuck with me, shade me or shit. I know how to deal with them because I deal with men in tech who fuck me, hurt me, da 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 da. Like, you deal with men in one sphere that's masculine and you deal with them in another sphere that's masculine. Comedy ain't shit compared to tech. These bros in comedy have beef with me, right? Little pussy boys, little shits. 
<laughs> did nothing compared to the men in tech who have issues with me. The men in tech who are titans. These fucking comedy girls, they're not shit. I can deal with them in a second. Yeah. They're not shit compared to what I deal with in tech. So they can come at me. I, I don't care. Well, because half of them are fucking losers who live with five roommates and make like 20K a year, you know? like. No, the problem is some like of them me. may make six figures, but I don't care. Yeah. Because I don't care about their approval. It's not. I mean, that must be a nice place to be. How did you? Did you were you always there? Did you have to get there? Uh, was there ever a I past think, version I of Sarah that was like, was, I need people's approval? Of course it was. It was, I need to create the material conditions that allow me to be psychologically who I know I am. Hmm. And the who I am psychologically does not need anybody's approval. I have my own approval. And I have the approval of people who I know love me, who I love. Who cares what they make financially? Who cares what industry they're in? But I know the world we live in. I was raised by a single mom. I'm an only child. I know it's tough out here. I'm going to earn the money I can to take care of myself first. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I mean... Having not experienced uh, this myself, what I can only imagine is... Uh, it has to really not only, I don't know, how should I say this? When you're working in tech, for example, it sort of massages your brain in a way that you can apply those skills to creative work. Yes. Other domains. But uh, what it also does, I think, is maybe help solve the problem, like the, the, the material problem. So yeah. you do not have to worry about making money. money off of creativity. Also, you don't like you're you're making. I mean, you're not like crazy rich, but like I'm you're not making like a fucking millionaire. You're making enough I'm, money I'm a, that you don't have to worry about money. Listen, right? I am the best bitch. Yeah, this is what I am. Is the best bitch. It's a good position to be so in. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it must be like I. I it's just I like. The amount of stress that I face on a daily basis that then Not eats away it. at my ability to be creative because I'm just okay. stressed about just like, oh, man, Money. like I my phone's all fucked up and like it sucks yeah. and I can't afford a new one and like this and that. Mm. I got new shoes and like I just spent $80 on groceries. How the fuck did that happen? And I'm mad about I all know. of that when I'm supposed to be like concentrating on like doing this podcast, you know, like. So that was exactly my problem years ago, too. I was like, I hate I'm in the shower thinking about money. It sucks. I was like, I need to stop thinking about money. It sucks here. It sucks. I hate thinking about money. It sucks. Yeah. No, I'm but just, I, I'm, it, it I'm was, straight up sick of it. I'm it, straight up sick of having like $400. It was literally a brain opening. I was like, if men who don't like coding learn to code, why can't women who don't like coding learn to code? Mm. Like, it doesn't have to be that I'm some fucking savant who loves math and coding to learn how to code. Plenty of men, because of cultural impositions, learn how to do shit they don't like. Yeah. In order to be the kind of guy they want to be. For other people well and i yeah i the way that and i don't I, say that it's not that they deserve it but the point is yeah. i'm opting in to that shit i'm opting in to that pressure because i don't want to rely on people first of all that's a burden in a way i could probably rely on people more i don't know how to 
I'm yeah, learning how to, hard. I'm practicing how to. But the point is, as a woman, I never wanted to have to sell sex, sell love, sell nothing to be creative and to be secure. And unfortunately, in a capitalist society with poor social safety nets, you have to become somewhat wealthy. You have to earn six figures or more to achieve a base level of stability for yourself to be yeah. creative in a very authentic way. With comedy, I never wanted to just make it. I just wanted to be as good as I could be because I loved good people. I didn't care if they were famous or not. I knew that they were good. And I was like, that's sick. Mm -hmm. I want to be good. And it took them seven or eight years. And here I am at six or seven. Ah, here I am. I knew it takes time to be good. You can't just be good overnight. Some people are. God bless them. But I wasn't. I just knew I had to try for a long time and I had to have the stability outside of it to not just make dick sucking jokes and sell my sex and shit. Yeah. And I'm only learning how to do that on Instagram now in a way that feels remotely authentic to me because you have to. Yeah. Not because I love to, but because I know, first of all, it is authentic to me, but do I want to display my sexuality constantly? Of course not. That's personally, of course not. Yeah. I actually would love, I'd rather be a lot more business forward publicly than sexuality forward. But I understand what works on the internet has a lot to do with sexuality and I have no discomfort with it. Mm -hmm. So I'll do it. But it's, I do feel like I'm whoring myself in a way, but it's fine. We're all whoring ourselves in a way, men and women. Sure. Posting thirst right? is fun but, though. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I do it sometimes. You know, sweetie. It's Hell okay. yeah. Hell yeah. I, 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 love I, I like that. I like that we live in an age when people where people can, you know, if they're feeling themselves and they're like, uh, can feel that yeah, they're, they're right? feeling themselves. They're just like, I look good in this. Like, look at me. Look, look at this. Look at this shit. Look at this shit world. Like I, yeah. I, I'm whether I'm like into them or not. I'm just like, hell yeah. I'm glad that you feel good about yourself because the world Me is trying too. so hard to make you not feel good about yourself. So Me like, great, too. like go off, you know? Um, yes. The thing that I learned from a long time of working in various jobs in the service industry is that, uh, I don't know, just work is going to be fucking work. work. Work is work and you're just going to have to like learn a skill. So like when it comes to learning a skill that I don't feel particularly precious about, you know, um, that I don't feel like particularly inclined towards something like coding. Are we talking about coding? Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm it. like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know if like... I, I didn't dream of being a coder when I was a kid, Who but, does? but like yes, now I'm like, I also didn't dream of being a fucking dog walker. And that's what I've been Correct. doing for like six years. And it sucks. Like, so like it work is yeah, work no and you're going to have to get up out of bed to do some shit. So it like, and it no might as well be something that makes walkers. you money. Right. Yeah. Point is, if you're going to walk someone's dog, it might as well be your own. That's true. <laughs> I got my own dog. If you got to walk a dog, it might as well be your own. You might as well get a fucking tech job, yeah. walk your own damn dog on your own damn time, then someone else's dog on their time for less money. Hey, these people who can afford dog walkers work in tech or finance. Mm -hmm. It's so insane. The shit, you know, in, in a way, it's funny because you have a difficult because you're not a minority, but I have it also difficult because I am in a weird, I have it easy and I have it hard, mm -hmm. right? 
because the thing with being a minority is your diversity higher. A woman so basically intact. you're so you're still an emotional sponge, right? Like <laughs> at the end of the day, a diversity hire is an emotional sponge. Yeah. You're like, I feel bad, so come on in. For so all I these like kind of emotionally love. stunted dudes who like never really had Yes. To... Or women. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. I've been fired by a white woman before. Okay? Like yeah, me too. it doesn't even matter what their identity is. The point is you are an emotional sponge as a diversity hire. Mm-hmm. The end. You're an emotional sponge. And so you have to know, that's my role. I'm an emotional sponge. I always have been, but at, the, at least this time I get six figures. Eh? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm an emotional sponge for who and for what? For you, kind of, but for me, first. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, I'll go take a lower paying six-figure job to be respected. <laughs> that's where I'm at now. I'm going to take a lower paying six-figure job for you to shut the fuck up and leave me alone and be nice. So isn't that a better position? I would say so. That you deserve. Yeah. That you deserve. That yeah. everybody deserves. Yeah. That everyone deserves. Everyone deserves. And that's where the jobs are. People keep saying all the jobs in tech are going away. They're wrong. They're springing up. Mm-hmm. Everyone should learn how to code. That's the new service industry, in my opinion, is tech. Yeah, just it, learn how to code. It seems like design. one of the last bastions of like, yeah. If you don't want to code, learn how to design. Just do something because that industry has so much money. Hmm. I can kind it's of. It's not even like it's. I don't know. I I'm can sure edit you can and do stuff. You, want. you know, but like I said, You'll like with the, I, I feel so far out of the fucking film business now that like, I. Mm-hmm it's almost a shorter walk for me to learn a whole nother skill and start over than it is for me to try and like jam my way back into a, a, a business that I sort of gave up on, you know? I love it. It's, it's crazy. Well, you'll figure it out. No matter what you do, you'll figure it out. Like, I think so. there's no world in which you don't. Mm. Even if you don't attack, like my younger <laughs> stepbrother, my family keeps encouraging me to get my younger stepbrother into tech. And I'm like, Listen, if he doesn't want to do tech, he shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. I think he's smart enough to figure it out without it. I mean, it's my favorite default because as a person who never knew what they wanted to do, I was in such denial of wanting to be a comedian that I was just like, I'll do anything to just be artistically and independently psychologically free. Like comedy was not like a concrete goal regarding coding. It was just like a a happy result. Mm It was like, I can't handle my ideas and my feelings being tied to my money. I need to do some shit that's like not related. Yeah. I mean, it's the and side it's very hustle. It's, the it's side very hustle. like It'll... zeros. It's very zeros and ones in a world where the rest of us is so subjective, you know? And there's some relief like that shit's subjective. It's zero and one, it's black and white. This shit is gray, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's relieving because when you're in the gray, you're not always in the gray. You can enjoy the gray. You know? Yeah. Um, you know Will Winter? Why do I know who that is? He's oh, a yeah, New York he's comedian. On the, he's on The Good, The Dad, is, and The Ugly of, with, with, uh, with, with Casey Salengo, Casey. who's been on your show. Um, he yeah. uh, 
just started doing tech work and I've been talking to him about it. Um, I love it. And Wait, he's a designer. Yeah. He's yeah. He's doing uh, UI UX, uh, I think. Great. And, and was talking about how he, you know, as a sort of, he's also a very, I don't know, visceral, uh, emotional kind of guy, you know, creative, and, right? and he's very creative and he's very passionate and he's got big feelings and he's he a big is. sensitive he's boy. Sweet. Um, yeah. and he, um, was talking about how he is sort of like the, the conduit between like these people who are like very, uh, like data from Star Trek, uh, who just like have no, uh, <laughs> Feelings. Like feelings really or don't understand their own feelings uh, to like, you know, the rest of like the human race. And he's sort of like, that's what his job is, is he's like the liaison between the two, which I think is interesting. That is funny. So, I don't know. Sarah Summerlin. No, I know. Thank you You're so much for Can being on the show. Let's um, end the recording. We gotta end the rec- yeah, more. let's let's do that. But first. I want to uh, have you give your plugs so people can find you and your work if Aww. you uh, would like to uh, to share Thank that. Thank you. First and foremost, please follow my Instagram. It's called FOMO Machine. FOMO has dots after it. F.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.M.O.
I'm gonna go. I gotta, I don't know, go do some push-ups or whatever, because I gotta stay fit in my apartment like it's quarantine again. Ugh. All right. I'll talk to you later. I'm Brad Pearson. See you in hell.